Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Indicator Cast, episode 40. And uh, tonight we're here uh, to talk about a, a very special topic, and we've got some really special guests. So I guess we'll do a quick roundtable and introduce ourselves. Jo- joined here, as always, is um, my partner in crime, uh, Ryan Kendall. How are you doing, sir? I'm good, man. I'm sweaty. It's a nice shower. <laughs> Just came out of the ring. And uh, also we have joined here, as always, is uh, Tony. Tony Mitchus. How are you doing? Good, sir. The other partner in crime. All right, thank you, John. And Ryan, you definitely do need a shower, that's for sure. Really looking forward to talking about this um, topic today. Cool. And uh, and also joined as, a, a re- obviously, a returning regular, but uh, he's actually in the room with Kendall right now, is uh, the great William Rowley. How are you doing, sir? Amazing, sir, amazing. Always an absolute pleasure to be here. In the presence of Ryan, so hey, in the glory of all of you, so it's happy days. Happy days. Absolutely. Jesus walks. <laughs> <laughs> Again. And uh, also we have a, a very special guest, uh, two very special guests. Well, uh, first time, uh, both first time on Indicator Cast. Uh, first off, we have uh, Paul John Blair, who um, is uh, based over there in Japan in uh, Fukuoka. Um, how are you doing, good sir? Welcome oh, to the- fuck, I've been drinking all day. I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. So th- thank you for coming on. Like we were, like I so said, we were just talking earlier, and, you, and I said we're going to do a Santo podcast. And I know you're you're quite a fan of the Santo film. Do you? You've seen a fair bit, so I thought you'd be great to have on because uh, some yeah. of us, are, you know, our knowledge isn't the best for Santo, but uh, but that's why I brought you and the master, uh, Andrew Liebolt, is on this evening as well. How are you doing, Andrew? Good. What do you mean the master? No, no, no pressure. <laughs> um, yeah, Andrew, if you want to, like, tell the listeners a bit about yourself, like, I know that you're, uh, you know... You got a little something going on at the moment, haven't you? You get a little something. Uh, you've done you've done a, a few docos. You've um, you know done a tour recently. If you don't mind telling uh, the listeners out there. Oh, uh, yeah, I, I just finished um, my first music documentary uh, on the um, rat bag Melbourne punk musician slash artist slash roast chicken fucker uh, Fred Negro. Um, makes for a very <laughs> interesting uh, subject for a documentary, but um, yeah, it, it's it's been doing the rounds of uh, film festivals for the last couple of months and um, getting really good response. But uh, what I'm pitching at the moment is um, a six-part TV series called Film Safari, mm. and it's basically mm. Anthony Bourdain's style running around the world, but instead of cooking shit. Uh, I'm digging up shit movies or, or, or good shit, as the case may be. And uh, one of them is following the trail of Santo uh, up into the mountains of Guanajuato, where he wrestled the mummies of Guanajuato. And um, it, it's a trail that I've done a couple of times before. So, you know, making my way to Mexico originally, it just blew my mind because I've been watching Santo and, and Mexican genre films for about 30 years. And then when you actually go there, it's so much more intense and, you know, hyper real uh, in, in the flesh, in the candy, candy coated um, sort of uh, psychedelic <laughs> mushroom 
aura of um, of Mexican reality. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'd be very keen to tell you about stories about going to see dwarf wrestling in Mexico City and uh, yeah, coming face to face with the mummies, Las Momias de Guanajuato. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> Amazing. I'm sure we'll talk about these first two Santo films at some point. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. And um, and yeah, that, that's that's very cool. And Andrew, um, you've also got a trash video archives as well. That's another part of your uh, your film uh, legacy. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, filmmaking doesn't pay, so I've <laughs> I got to sell merch, <laughs> and uh, you know, it's never about the show. It's always about selling the t-shirts. So, um, yeah, Trash Video Archives was a, an online version of my old cult video store, Trash Video, which closed in 2010 uh, for, for obvious reasons. Video shops just don't exist really anymore. Um, and so, yeah, the, the website, trashvideoarchives.com, sells a lot of film-related junk, including Mexican wrestling masks all the way from Mexico City. Click on the link and uh, buy yourself a, a bit of Mexican pop culture. I'll be linking that in the show notes. Absolutely. You can jump on there. Um, and uh, awesome, Andrew. Uh, and look, Ed, sorry, obviously, um, Paul, if you don't mind, tell us a little about yourself. I know we've spoken, uh, you know, about films pretty much every day we talk about movies. So uh, I know that you're a big fan yourself of uh, all types of genres and countries and whatnot. yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's not as fucking as interesting as Andrew, though. Bloody hell, this is like getting cock-blocked. <laughs> no, um, I'm, uh, I live in Japan. I've been in Japan, I'll be 17 years now. And um, uh, what what can I say that's going to top what Andrew said? Nothing, really. <laughs> but those, I wear women's shoes. You'd be going to see some pretty gnarly-looking wrestling shows, wouldn't you? Well, I've seen wrestling shows here in Japan. They're quite similar, as you know, right? Because they're really influenced by the Mexican style, and they even have over guest Mexican wrestlers oh, yeah. in, all the time, mate. But and, um, hey, what have I got? What 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 can I sell on here? Because I know you were trying to pimp your masks earlier. Well, I've got like a shop on Facebook where I sell Japanese posters and tirashis or whatever. So that's that's what I do. I'm not that interesting, really. <laughs> You've seen a lot of films. I know that. That's for sure, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, but they're saying, you know, it's probably better if I say I've shagged a lot of women, but... <laughs> what does that say about us, you know? But anyway... Everyone wears a mask now in Japan, so, I mean, they always have war. Not full wrestling ones. That'd actually be more fun if it was full. Good to Libra masks. You could choose which one you could wear in the morning instead. It's that fucking <laughs> the, the a doctor fucking thing you got to wear. You know, can't breathe. Yeah. Oh, very cool. Well, um, we'll get into it. Uh, so we'll get into the releases that we're going to cover. So there's a, a, a Santo box set. There's a spaghetti western, and there's even an old classic this month. So three uh, really diverse sort of films here. Um, so we'll get into Santo because I know you've got a, a bit of time before you have to head. So I appreciate you coming on. So we'll quickly get to Santo, and then uh, if you want to give us your thoughts, and then um, you know you can head off if you need to, and we'll, we'll get Andrew to tell us more amazing stuff about. I just Santo. say one thing. I, this is not a this is not a criticism, but I think you guys you should have had like a a little thing at the top of the screen. How many fucking times John says Santo and then just like clicks, you know? It must, it must be like <laughs> and say that. 
We still haven't talked about talk, I've talked about this cunt yet. You said Santo. <laughs> <laughs> He's all in our minds. All right. <laughs> so this is the box set Enter Santo, the first adventures of the Silver Masked Men. It's a limited edition set. Uh, this includes two films, uh, Santo versus Evil Brain. Uh, from 1961, um, Joslito Rodriguez, uh, Santo versus Internal, uh, sorry, Infernal Men, uh, Joslito Rodriguez, 1961. Uh, yeah, both same director, same year. Um, so uh, this box set, so I'll just quickly give it a rundown. Immediately recognizable by his distinctive silver mask, the heroic wrestler known as El Santo, the saint, was Mexico's most popular uh, lucha, uh, Drido, um becoming a folk hero and the star of a hugely popular film's uh, action series. Enter Santo, The First Adventures of the Silver Masked Man, presents the two earliest cinematic excursions for his iconic Mexican culture. In Santo vs. Evil Brain, uh, Santo contra Celebro del Mal, I'm, I'm trying here. Uh, you, you, you were copying off Santo's bloody test papers back in school, weren't you? Uh, I was. That's why we all sound like peons. Santo, yeah. Uh, oh, God. Uh, the dastly Dr. Campos is kidnapping and brainwashing scientists when undergoing Detective Santo falls prey to Campos' scheme. Lieutenant Zambrano, Enquia uh, Zambrano, and uh, El Incognito. Oh, John, please fucking help. <laughs> That's a great name, El Incognito. <laughs> I am Guy Incognito. Uh, Fernando uh, Osses. Homer? Who is Homer? Sorry, I'm butchering these names. I do apologize. Um, and uh, yes, and the trio Santo, El Incognito, Zambrano team up once again to fight a band of drug smugglers. Shot in Cuba in the final days before Fidel Castro entered Havana, these two films represent the celluloid birth of a true screen legend and spawned a further 50 Santo films, beautifully restored in 2K from the original negatives. These thrilling films finally received their world Blu-ray uh, premieres, individually numbered, limited edition, two-disc set, uh, complete with new and archival extra features, including a feature-length documentary and poster and 80-page book. I'll get to the extras later because there's a fair bit there, um, but obviously we just want to get some thoughts uh, from Paul before you have to bail. Uh, Paul, um, the Santo films, how did you come across them? What's your... Uh, relationship with these films completely by accident you know most genres I, I would deliberately go looking for stuff but it was like i used to watch serious mexican films like stuff by arturo ripstein or the one i recommended to you like canoa shameful memory and then i started what i thought i was thinking wondering what the exploitation films are like from this country and then i started getting into the vampire stuff and all that and then going through pages and stuff finding out about fucking santo santo keeps coming up and i'm like i need to find out about santo because <laughs> I had this wine I used to drink called Santo Spirito, which is a, a, a fame, uh, one of my favourite wines. And I know it means saint in Latin or whatever, but and then I was just fucking hooked. I'd, and I didn't even know that, that that you couldn't buy these things, that they, you had to download them and you had to get fan subs. They were not at your fingertips. This is really the first time it's been done properly. There was some DVDs that came out, like really ropey ones with subtitles, yellow subs and stuff like that, but... And it was only like what, maybe three, four years ago. Like I'm, I even bought, I even, I even bought pirate, I even bought pirate copies from uh, Israel, probably 
pressed by the Israeli mafia. You know, they, it took like a month to come and it was all Hebrew. But I thought, fuck it, it's Santo. Because once I got into it, I was just so into it. And now it's dry. There's like a dry season you can't get any more of Santo. I've only got about, I've got about 25, maybe 26, exactly half in my collection. And um, that's it. I guess I'll never see the other ones. I don't know. Uh, we'll talk. <laughs> and, Andrew will you want to see the rest of the 52? We'll talk. Well, there's no, if there's no subtitles, because, you know, my Spanish is not as good as John's, so I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do. Like, watch. With Mr. Incognito. Welcome. Incognito. <laughs> it's a secret mode on, like, Brave or something, one of those browsers. Incognito. Oh, yeah. Go incognito. parts of the internet. But, yeah. Okay. Um, I'll have to go soon, but like I don't know, maybe I can bore you if I give you a very quick like for Andrew a quick top five and why I like those five. Go on, but, do it, Because they're they're my kids are like John seen them, they're fucking horrible, man. They're worse than me, right? So, uh, Santo attacks the witches, 1968, because it has probably one of the best fight scenes in it, in the in the ring that Santo has. I don't know if Andrew agrees with me on that one. He's seen 25 more than me. Uh, yeah, maybe on fast forward, but. I'm in in awe of your, uh, your, your references. Yeah, keep going, man. So, fucking, um, <laughs> Santo versus the Strangler, 1965. It's basically a fucking jalo. It's a jalo. It's set in a fucking theater, like kind of blood and black lace. There's. Scooby-Doo, mask pulling, creamy shit going on and all that. So that's that's a favourite. Another that's one, great, uh, it's great, man. Santo versus the Raiders of uh, Terror because it's a Western. with like It's basically a Western with plague elements thrown in there and stuff like that. So that's a later one. It's like 70, right? And then Santo versus the She-Wolves because it reminds me of Werewolf Woman, their special effects, the tacky special effects. <laughs> Classic. And then, and then number one, nothing's going to top this. Uh, Santo in an ominous death threat, but he actually fucking fights Nazis, actual Nazis on the run in South America. And there's like, it's like Marathon Man type shit. There's someone taking out these old German guys one by one, and you think, are they war criminals? But they're actually Nazis who witnessed war crimes. That's why they're being taken out. And Santo takes on these neo-Nazis. That's my top five so far, basically. That's awesome. Yeah. That's, not good. <laughs> That's awesome. It's a great selection, man. That's brilliant. Yes. And it's sad because you can't say to someone, oh, just go on Amazon and buy it because you fucking can't. You know, it's just one of these things. Um, what can you do? Don't know. Turn to, turn to the pirates, I guess. <laughs> well, turn to the pirates. Well, in my case, I just downloaded them and converted them into um into DVDs and just keep them in a wee box and say, fuck this, you know, but what, what can you do? It, it is a fucking acquired taste, there's no doubt about it, you know? I don't even oh, know how God, well that indicator set's going to yeah. sell, to be honest. I don't even know if it will sell, because most people would not even know what it's about. Are, are these wrestling films, or, or, or what are they? You know, they don't realise that they're a mix of fucking genres, and you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. you know, they've got their own dialect. I mean, it, it's it's like, you know, film is a language, but there are so many different dialects. And unless you're used to the, the um, sound of this particular dialect, the films aren't going to make a hell of a lot of sense to you. 
Mm-hmm. And so it, it really requires a lot of patience um, on the audience's part to, to get to know all of the the weird kind of intonations and, and um, you know, just to make sense of what the hell's going on. Yeah. Um, especially in something like a Santo film where you're like, it's fucking neo-Nazis. And there's a, there's a guy yeah. in a cape and a mask um, running, you know, and it just doesn't make sense. But to yeah. Mexicans, they're like, oh, yeah, it's Santo. Yeah, I know. Makes total sense. So you've you, you really got to put your, um, you know, you've got to put your, your wrestling mask, aficionado's um, mask on to be able to make sense of all this stuff. And, um, yeah, it should never be taken seriously. Yeah, yeah I, I, the problem with the, these two Santo films is um, the very first ones from, you know, they were filmed in Cuba in 1958. These are so unlike kid. the Santo films that you were just mentioning. Exactly. These are about as basic as they get. And if these mm. are the first Santo films that people watch, no, um, not I've got a horrible no. feeling that they're probably going to give up on them. Yeah, well, and also, Andrew, they're actually, as I remember, like, um, it's like, you know, The Man in the Silver Mask, 1954, that he didn't do. That's an overly yeah. long film. It's almost, I think it's over fucking two hours long. Just some cunt running about in a mask doing nothing, right? And then, yeah, exactly. when he did, and I think even the first Santa one is quite long as well. It's, you know, and there's many elements that you mentioned that's going to put people off. It's, it's like a, it's like a lost cause, I think, trying to get people to get into these films, to be honest. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think you really you've got to start them on something that's really accessible. Yeah, the like ones in the seventies that are more like Italian films. Yeah, know, one of the one of the horror ones which are at least um, accessible to mm-hmm. a horror fan or to somebody yeah. professes to like weird films. I mean, they're something like Santo versus the Vampire Women is is at least you can at least follow mm-hmm. it. You, you've at least got a reference point. Yeah, uh, with with the vampire angle. Yeah, and then the Santa yeah. stuff is grafted on the top and makes it all kind of weird. But but at least yeah. it's familiar. Whereas but, these ones, but, these are like uh, you know, it's like a, an old phantom movie serial from the forties. Yeah, that, that's the vibe I got too when I saw it. it yeah, like- it's not like that. It really does progress as it goes on, and Andrew will tell you, and it gets more funkier. The soundtracks get the colours get more vibrant. You start to see a oh, bit yeah. cleavage and stuff, and um. You know, and then the budgets actually get fucking smaller, which is even funnier. But you know, yeah, the budgets get smaller, the polo necks get taller, buggies <laughs> get more psychedelic coloured, and the films just get tackier and tackier. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's astounding when you when you look at the the really kind of loopy cartoony ones from the late sixties, where Santa is kind of like. Batman meets James Bond. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. thought, man, could it get any loopier than this? And and they do. The, <laughs> the there's, the one, there's one when he's fighting an alien. It's like a blob. It? Yeah. There's one when he's fighting an alien in a fucking, he's in like a factory or something they just borrowed for the afternoon. And you can see the guys inside this fucking silver sprayed bag body fighting like the, it was supposed to be like a, a sort of blob thing fighting him and I'm, I'm sitting there watching this thinking am i fucking insane i actually like this i must be <laughs> like i'll fight people over this and be like oh that's a good fucking film outside now and it's, it's not it's fucking insane ridiculous outside now there's a challenge yeah. a certain yeah. mushrooms do help though i must admit <laughs> 
I'll um, I'll stop uh, keep crashing your party, guys. I better go before my kids come. I need to make their dinner. Maybe throw that throw a few wrestling moves on them as well. <laughs> uh, great, nice great to meet you, Paul. Yeah, nice to meet you. Right, guys, have a good night. I'll see you soon. Have a good Thank one. You. See you then. Thanks for going. Thank you. All right. So we'll just uh, we'll just take a step back. We'll just go round table. Um, I was going to say, um, Kendall, had you heard of Santo before? Like, is something I'm sure you've probably come across him. Yeah, yeah, I've heard of the name Santo before. Um, I don't even know where. I have no idea where. And you know, like as a kid, I've seen like you know Jack Black playing Nacho Libro. So that's kind of like. <laughs> same, same, but different. <laughs> Far from it. Um, and you know, I've, I'm friends with Andrew, and he's always like talking about Santo. It would have been drunken conversations over a pub table. Yeah. Going, this is film with. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You can't get away from it. <laughs> no, I can't. All thanks to you. I love it. Um, gracias, amigo. <laughs> muchas gracias. <laughs> but yeah, I just. I can't. It's just that sort of kind of name that's been flung around so much, mm. heard so much that you know, I've never actually like gone on Wikipedia, you know, and done my research, done my Wikipedia research. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, and Mr. Rowley, I know that you're uh, a bit of a Santo fan, or, or you know, I have been for a very long time. I was pretty blessed in respects. I grew up in the, I was born in Victoria, but moved to Queensland in Brisbane. There was this little crappy TV station, Bridge 31, which some oh, yeah. strange man used to host this thing called Schlock Treatment. And occasionally, oh, occasionally he <laughs> might play a Santo film would pop up. And it'd be like, oh, sweet, Santo's on. Let's go watch him in the Blue Demon. All right. Um, also, where I work, one of my colleagues was a wrestler. So he was right into it as well. He does a lot of Japanese stuff, going back to Paul there. So, yeah, shout out to Mason Charles. Yay. The Aussie wolf. Um, but, yeah, no, um, Santo, Andrew, in basically bought this little shine to the TV there. And we'd get to bask in the glory of what was brilliant. Oh, man. I, f I forgot that I used to program them. I, I think I, s I screened about 10 Santo films. At least. At on, least. on the show over, over a couple of year period. And it was like any excuse to be able to screen a Santo film. I'm like, I'm, I'm, we're having a spy month, right? Operation 67 starring Santo. Yes. You know? <laughs> No, we were pretty lucky to have that up there with you, Andrew. So thank you, sir. Shine the lights on stuff yeah, that people it. need to see. Yeah. The other stuff with Santa, there's not many releases, as you guys know. VCI have got a four-disc Blu-ray out, which is a bit rough. VCI stuff's always a bit rough. But I'm always happy to pick up anything that comes out with it. So very happy to have that in my collection. Andrew will know a lot more than myself. I've bought some previously, and unfortunately, they haven't been um, English-friendly, but that's my problem. Um, yeah, I think I inherited them, didn't you I? You did. You did indeed, so you <laughs> did inherit them. I thought, well, I can't. It's, I'm, I'm not very good at making dialogue up, so, yes, I'll let that to you. <laughs> Make your own subtitles. Correct. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, well, um, um, with this release from them... <laughs> As you guys have said, it's not the best start, 
but I appreciate they're bringing the first start. The, mm. the thing is, realistically, as you guys have all mentioned, really they should have brought some batshit crazy stuff, and that would hook people, hook line sinker. The little this stuff is mentioned. very dry. It's very black and white. It's, it, it, it's I'm going to buy it. I have to have it in my collection. I appreciate what they've done. The extras, to me, are going to be the thing that's going to basically shine. And I think that's the thing that's really going to sell this. The fact that it's also limited means yeah. it's going to be snapped up. Yeah. And, and whether people watch them or not, so. you know, is immaterial. They're going to be sitting in someone's collection and that demand yeah. will spark the interest for more Santo releases well, down the track. The hope is too, because they've got these contacts to get this, what other contacts have they got available to them as well? That's the really salivating thought for myself. It's like, oh, my God. Yeah. How much? There's well, 50 plus films. Like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I doubt that the nudie films are ever going to get a, a. Well, no, they have. They have been released, haven't yes. they? Yeah, much yeah. To, much yeah. to the abhorrence of Santo's family, who yes. never wanted the Santo nudie films <laughs> to see the light of day. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Son of Santo, Jorge, uh, tried to block the release of. Um, El Sexo y El Vampiro, the the, um, the topless nude um, version of Treasure of Dracula, Santo in the Treasure of Dracula. So it's like, yeah, they, they made a couple of these um, sort of, uh, well, they were X-rated at the time, but they'd probably be MA-rated, sort of slightly racy, slightly nudie versions for the overseas market. Because, uh, you know, the, the Santos films um, were being sold to France, Germany, mm. of course, to Spain, Turkey. That's why we had the, the Turkish Santo and Captain America versus Spider-Man. Yes. It's because, you know, Santos films were getting dubbed into Turkish and screening in Istanbul. Um, but also in, in America, in the United States, the Spanish language theaters and drive-ins would also play host to Santo films in Spanish without subtitles for the Hispanic, um, you know, uh, enclaves around the U.S. Uh, and so El Vampiro y El Sexo, which was never meant for Mexico, would end up screening in New York or Chicago to a bunch of, um, you know, Mexican expats or, or, or Puerto Ricans or uh, Costa Ricans or basically any uh, Hispanic-speaking um, population, and they were going nuts over it because Santo was with a bunch of, you know, blood-covered naked women. <laughs> Bonkers. And it took a long time for that film to um, surface, and I remember seeing stills from it for years going, oh, my God, I want to see the nudie Santo, and, and it finally came to the surface like a miracle and Malagro. But uh, wow. yeah. Anyway, I think I'm digressing. We are talking about the first two Santo films, right? <laughs> we are. We, yeah, yeah. Uh, but we can we can talk about the whole, you know, everything Santo related. Um, uh, I was gonna say, Tony, you um, Santo is is quite not not new to you. I'm sure you know of the character, but you haven't seen too many Santo films yourself. It's all quite um, a new world. The yeah. only way, the only thing I know about Santo is the iconic mask he wears. I have. I'm. A, I'm. A, I'm ashamed to admit this. I have not seen a Santo film, and um, I believe um this as, a, as a, you, Andrew, you did say that these these 
first two films is not a good introduction, but but what do you think for a Santo virgin like myself? Do you think that's that'll be a good um? Think it's a good introduction for those first two films? No, please don't do it. Uh, look, let me send you a couple of Santo films. <laughs> I'll be your doctor and I will prescribe you a couple of Santo films. <laughs> and it will, it will get you hooked like a cheap pharmaceutical. You'll be coming back for more. Trust All right. When you Damn. finally get to the first two Santos, you'll be like, yeah, I can see where they sit in the overall, you know, filmography of Santos. By the time you get to them, you'll be wanting anything masked Mexican related because it really is a it, it's a disease. It's a disease of addiction. And uh, I mean, I'm just like I, I, I sort of watch a Mexican film about one a week, um, just because I need to keep getting that kind of like mescaline hit. <laughs> there is something just so slightly otherworldly about them. I think that's the only way to really describe them. There, there's something very alien and foreign about them, the way that, that um, there's Catholicism in just about every pixel of the film. You know, that the, um, that uh, there, there's also this, oh, man, kind of like burnt Mexican landscape yeah. Uh, that becomes so recognisable and so desirable. It's really hard to hard to explain, but I think when you go to Mexico, you finally get it. You get why these films do become an addiction. Mm. There, yeah. There's there's something um, so wonderful about uh, Mexican culture that everything just seems so much more vibrant and alive. And quasi hallucinogenic, if that makes sense. Oh, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, yeah. I, I really wish that that could come across in those first two Santo films, because you know, like, like the other guys have been saying, you know, they they are incredibly dry, very dusty, and and so low budget films, and you know that's why they have that um, release date of sixty one. I think. Um, the Cerebro del Mal film actually got a release in the US in 1960, but it had been sitting on the shelf for two years. Um, you know, the, the films were shot in Cuba just before the communists walked into Havana. And so you, you get that last gasp of what Cuba was like just before the communists take over. Mm. And, and so it meant, you know, like a lot of CIA money, a lot of mafia money. There was a lot of Americans running around getting drunk in swanky hotels, you know, swilling martinis and Cuba Libres and driving around in these parking enormous automobiles, you know, down six, um, six, um, uh, six line highways. And the place really was a playground for um, Americans and, and Mexicans and uh, whoever basically wanted to come for a holiday. Yeah. And, and, and probably indulge in a little bit of vice as well. I think that, that was the big um, lure of Cuba at the time. So you, you've got a sense of what was going on in Cuba uh, 
in the backdrop of these films. And I think that's one of the most interesting things about these, that yeah. they are these time capsules of, of uh, pre-communist Havana that was within, you know, probably four weeks of the cameras stopping rolling uh, had gone forever. Yeah. It's, it's fascinating to see, uh, yeah, pre-communist Cuba and, and see that there was sort of a, you know, these are low-budget films, but somewhat of a, a film industry happening at the time, which is, which is pretty, yeah. w- with a bit of freedom, you know, <laughs> in regards to the content of what they could show or say. So it's it's quite lucky. Oh, these absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and I think there would have been Cuban money in it. I mean, they, they would have been um, trying to get Mexican filmmakers to come to use Cuba as a film location because there would have been the the flow on effects for them. You know, um, hotels could say, oh, yes, well, you know, Mexican star Joaquin Cordero stayed here while making Cerebro del Mal. (laughs) You know, know, sure, um, Castro didn't give a shit about that after he took over, but I'm sure at the time, oh, that meant something. And then, um, you know, Mexicans can say, well, they used exotic locations, even though it was just, just over the, the Gulf of Mexico. It was still exotic for a Mexican audience. Yeah. And it would have been very exotic for a, a Hispanic audience watching it in the US, you know, in a Spanish language theater. So, um, you know, there, there's, there's a lot going on there uh, on the economic side um, yep. that would have made bringing a Mexican film production to Cuba, a very attractive proposition. Problem being, it was a very low budget um, proposition. And they're trying to get two films basically for the price of one. And both of those films suffer from the from the budgetary constraints. And you can tell in that second film, yes. Hombres in, Infernales, oh my God, they're trying desperately to stretch you know, what, what's basically, a, you know, an episode of Gilligan's Island into a 70-minute feature. It's, it's impossible. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And so you've got the, the, the same mariachi trio turning up from, from the first film, you know, doing another musical number on the same spot, on the same beach, to the same bored-looking um, extras. And they're all just sitting there going, we're not getting paid twice. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's that recycled nature of the films that is just so confounding, especially if you're watching the films back to back. You're like, hang on, I've seen this. Hang on, wasn't didn't, didn't I just? Of course you did. Because, you know, you, you've got a two for, two for one deal that's gone horribly wrong. And I think that's why it sat on the shelf for at least two to three years, both of those films without a distributor and it was only when um santos started getting more substantial film roles um you know it wasn't until 1961 that he started filming his third film santo versus the zombies and that one was a massive hit and i think that's when the uh producers of the first two films went oh shit i I think we've got something here and they tapped santo's name at the front of the film titles so they've gone from cerebro del mal so you know the the evil brain to santro santo in el cerebro del mal mm. and so it's like you know that's the exploitation film game i guess yeah 
Absolutely, and they were, and they because they were both six. They were shot back to back, Andrew. These these two, and this one, these first two. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Well, exactly yeah. the same crew. Yeah. And primarily the same cast, and and, uh, and like El Incognito, right? The guy in the black mask. Uh, in the second film, Hombres Infernales, he just takes the mask off. And so he becomes one of the infernal men. He's, he's the guy with the pencil thin mustache called Enrique, the one holding the submachine gun. And you're like, you're not fooling anyone, El Incognito. Put your fucking mask back on. <laughs> you're really a, a, an agent for Zambales. Don't, don't try to pull the wool over our eyes. Don't try to pull the wrestling mask over our eyes. Ombre Infernale. Utangina. So anyway. <laughs> so yeah, all of that's going on in there. And uh, yeah, it, it, it was a, a two for one. You know, they the producers obviously thought that they could squeeze two films out. And really they got half a film. Instead of two films, they've, they've got half a film in there. Um, half a good film at least. Yep, because they're only about a, what was it, like an hour? A bit over an hour each? 70 minutes. 70 minutes, yeah, yeah each. <laughs> so, no. The first one exactly. the better of the two. They're not great yeah. or strong by a long shot. The second one, Infernal, it's just like a whole lot of henchmen doing henchmen stuff. It's like, well, what's the plot here? What are they doing? Yeah, yeah, they're just hanging out on a boat. Yeah, pretty much it, yeah. At least, at least the first. Like, well, the, the, the rest of the cast are just sitting around drinking. Well, shit, maybe we should too. So they're just, <laughs> they're just on a boat drinking Cuba Libras, going, I hope we're getting paid for this. <laughs> Hopefully Batwoman shows up. Oh, no, wrong, wrong series, Dan. At least the first one had sort of a mad scientist sort of vibe to it, like a bit of a, you know, crime, a bit of mix of genres, mishmash. I actually enjoyed the first one quite a bit. Second one, yes, I admit, was a little bit dull in comparison, but still, um, yeah, yeah, still interesting. I'm just thankful we're getting them, and the thing is with it too. Hopefully, it leads to more. And as I said earlier, like the the later stuff is just so bonkers. It just needs to be out there for people to appreciate and enjoy. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was sort of trying to chart um, the the various phases of Santo films because, I mean, I, I think about this stuff a lot. <laughs> you know, sadly, I do actually think about this stuff. And, um, you know, there's, there's kind of like five phases to um, the Luchador films. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's um, a, a classic period from around about 61 to about 64, and all the films are in black and white, and they're very classic. You know, it's it's yeah. very much the the classic period. If you it, you can imagine, it's kind of like the Universal Horror period um, in in the 1930s, uh, where all of the films are quite reverential towards their subject matter, and the the craftsmanship is through the roof. And then you get the kitsch period, and that's about 66 to late 60s. And every film is like an episode of Batman. It's just like, you know, fluoro colours and and, uh, cartoon elements and Western pop iconography 
mercilessly stolen from just about the everywhere. Sink, there it is. It's all going uh, into it. Everything comes into it. It's just absolutely. Like, yeah, all the Bond central. references, the stolen Bond music. Uh, you know, elsewhere you've got the the um, you know you've got the um, the Mexican Batgirl film. You've got uh, all of the other wrestlers doing their thing, and and Mexico is just this hive of activity. And uh, really, it's where the Luchador film comes of age, where they just cannot make enough films to meet the demand. But then, you know, something happens around about 1970, the budgets start to drop. The audiences are getting a little bit kind of bored. So they're like, what do we do to spice this up? There's not that much money anymore. I know, let's get a, an army of dwarf assassins. Yeah, that'll get them in. Okay, we'll bring in the wrestling mummies of Guanajuato. We'll give them a series. <laughs> and uh, and it just becomes this mad tag team sort of like free-for-all for the rest of the decade. And, you know, the, the 70s being the 70s, it just means that everything just keeps getting tackier and more disco-flavoured. Um, and then, then you get to the start of the 80s and you're in the final phase now i mean santo dies very soon after his final two films mm. um the son of santo's son of blue demons start taking the place of their fathers and that's pretty much it you know and, and every now and then you'll get a luchador film starring the grandson of blue demon or some something like that shot shot on digital and they are terrible films but we're, we're in that sort of um you know the death of a star period that that long cooling off period where there's just nothing going on but um these first two santo films they're from the very first period you know this is from the period immediately after the big bang which is the 1952 film uh the silver mast one based loosely on the santo wrestling persona but not starring santo because santo said no fucking way am i going to star in a film there's no money in it there's no future in it i'm not going to be a part of it 1958 he's like yeah all right okay i'll do one of your stupid films <laughs> the santo versus the evil brain is is the result of that and the reason why he even got talked into doing the films in the first place was because of fernando Osses ill incognito because he'd already had um you know almost 10 years in the film industry up until that point mm. um he was the star of a film series called la sombra vengadora the avenging shadow yeah uh and he was he was doing quite well and he was also getting into um behind the scenes writing scripts and then later on directing films um and he wrote the scripts. He co-wrote the scripts with the chief inspector to these two films that Indicator are releasing. And he said to Santo, I'll write you a part in this film if you finally join me in the movies. And Santo's like, oh, I'm not a very good actor. And he's like, it doesn't matter. You got a mask on. No one's going to see. <laughs> And they're stupid. <laughs> so, and that became uh, 
the first of 52 film appearances for Santo. 1958 to 1982, two films a year. And that that's just a staggering output, yeah. considering he has to wrestle in every film too. Yeah, very physically intensive. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, in the, but in this proto period of of uh, Mexican wrestling films, they haven't quite worked out uh, what works and what doesn't. And in Cerebro del Mal, you know, Santos, an agent, he's not a wrestler. He doesn't appear in a wrestling ring and then gets the call from Commissioner Gordon going to chase the vampire women. You know, he, he doesn't have that connection with the wrestling world. They're still thinking, oh, well, he, he can he could be a, a masked, caped agent, I think. Does that work? I don't know if it works or not. And really without that, um, you know, the wrestling arena sequence, which becomes a staple in every Santo film from Santo versus the zombies onwards without that, it, it feels like something's missing. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I was going to say, Tony, just quickly, what did you think of these, these, these films? What did I think of, uh, I haven't seen any Santo films, but, um, from all the stories that Andrew just mentioned, uh, well, I'll email you. At, I'll, I'll message you, Andrew, and, I'll, um, and you recommend me your thir- the two that I should watch first because I'm really intrigued now. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, mate. I'll just I'll send you down a, a memory stick. I'll stick a, a few of the best ones on there, and uh, you can go have yourself a film safari. <laughs> awesome. Will do. Thank you. Wrap yourself in. Uh, and, and Kendall, I was going to ask you. Uh, what do you think of? Um, did you get a chance to see um, see these films, or, or, or I saw? I had a chance to watch the first one, most of the first one. Yeah. But um, as you were like talking, it's almost like it's almost like this would have like kind of worked better as a TV show. Yeah, like a serial, like Andrew said. <clears throat> yeah. Well, even with like the first two, but um, I didn't mind like the first one because it's a bit of fun, like. And because it goes with the times as well, it's got like that cultural reference of before communist Cuba, um, and it's the beginnings of this great character. So like, even though the films are kind of seen as dull, it's still like a central yeah. part of like the beginning of like a yeah. historic event, I suppose. Yeah. So you could make allowances for the yeah you know deficiencies in the. In the yeah. film. And you know, we all gotta start somewhere. So <laughs> it's it's more it's more of a fascinating watch, yeah, just to see mm. the origin of the character. Yeah, because yeah. Exactly. Like, so I was never bored by it. I, I get why you may see it as a bit dull because I just found the whole thing just, just like, like I said, Andrew, it's kinda like you're watching alien television or something. It's like some sort of other <laughs> otherworldly like Yeah, right. Yeah. Type of <laughs> universe. <laughs> yeah. Well, you've got to admit it, it's fascinating stuff. I mean, you know, you're, you're watching through the miracle of, um, you know, 2K scans. You're watching... Um, 4K scans. Been, well, beg your pardon, 4K scans, yeah. but uh, on, on Blu-ray release. You know, you're watching what would have constituted um, popular Mexican entertainment back in 1961 mm. with subtitles for the very first time. I mean, this is this is crazy. And, and so I think there is this um, 
you know, almost uh, anthropological uh, curiosity about these films. That we are almost going back to the beginning of time, and we, we're granted access to a time before Santo being the king of the mass wrestling movies. We're seeing the very first two um, of, of his starring roles, and I, I think it's with that in mind. I think you you do you can be very forgiving um, yeah. for the the glaring deficiencies in the films. Yeah, and uh, yeah. I just I think it's just amazing that we get to see them at all, uh, even even uh, on on DVD, let alone Blu-ray. Let alone a Blu-ray box set. <laughs> with extras. Oh, I mean, that's, that's amazing. Which amazes me. Um, sorry, Kendall, you were going to say something? Oh, no, I was just going to say, because, like, yeah, going off what you said, Andrew, it's sort of like Santos and even, like, their, like, Mexican wrestling, it's almost like a lifestyle that they have. Um, even so <sighs> that, like, um, I was watching this documentary and... They pretty much they go to uh, they go to Mexico and you know when cars stop at traffic lights and people put on like a clown show or whatever. There's yeah. some people actually like wrestling and like they get, literally like get on ladders and then they get like wrestled off onto like you know fucking the gravel <laughs> onto the road. So like people actually wow. do like street wrestling and then like you know before the light goes green yeah. they walk to the cars get the money. So it's like a full on lifestyle That's for these amazing. people. Yeah. Well, I, I did actually go to um, the wrestling at Arena Mexico, the, the big wrestling ring in the middle of Mexico City, um, about five years ago. Yeah. Sorry, four years ago. And um, it was Friday night. Um, I thought, oh, God, it's, it's, it's not going to be as good as I hoped. You know, it couldn't be as good as I expected. But there was about six matches. And one of them, there was about um, 14 wrestlers. <laughs> they divided into two teams, and they just flung um, wrestlers into the first couple of rows. You know, people were getting knocked off their chairs by flying wrestlers. Um, and they were just throwing people out of the ring until there were two left. And each time um, one of the wrestlers got thrown out of the ring, he had to do, do the walk of shame back up the ramp, and he was high-fived by a dwarf wrestler in an Aztec eagle outfit. And I'm just sitting there going, this is the single greatest thing <laughs> of my life. This is brilliant. And I, I was sitting um, uh, behind two kids in luchador masks. They were sitting there having the best time with their parents. And I got a photo of these two little kids in their wrestling mask, smiling at me, you know, with, with a big tub of popcorn and candy floss. And That's I got beautiful. it. You know, I, I got that this, this you know, it's, wrestling means so much more to Mexican audiences than it ever would to um, an American or Australian mm. audience. Yeah. Like, I mean, we, we used to have that kind of wrestling back in the um, 50s and 60s, it was really popular in Australia, but not to the extent where people were putting on masks and capes and pretending to be part of this Catholic battle between good and evil. Yeah. And that added element, you know, that religious aspect to it all gives it so much more um, of an aura about it. So it becomes more than wrestling. It becomes this morality tale 
that yeah. little kids are being um, subjected to as children, saying, you know, if, if you don't do the right thing, the bad wrestler will get you. <laughs> you know, where, where, yeah. the, where the evil wrestler is actually a hand puppet of Satan himself. <clears throat> Just amazing. So, yeah, it, it was the single greatest experience of my life. And um, that's why I want to go back and uh, put it into a TV show. Yes, please. Okay. Um, yeah, so I'll just quickly, speaking of which, we'll, we'll speak of the extras, we'll just cover what's in this box because, yeah, like you like said, you know, Andrew, you have to, like, pinch yourself to see if this is real because this is, like, a, you know, a full-on box set. I mean, we get... Um, uh, so brand new, yeah, like I said, 4K restorations from the original camera negatives, however they got those, <laughs> of, of Santo versus Evil Brain and Santo versus the Infernal Man. Um, original, yeah, like, you, you think... I mean, I'd think, because, like, since Santo's such a big character, you'd think, I'd, I'd think that, like, they'd have just, like, a Santo closet of his films or something. <laughs> Maybe the family have it or something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the problem being there were so many different production companies. Yeah. Um, and each one would have held the rights to, you know. Yeah. So, like, I'm, I'm talking to uh, the son of one of Santos' producers at the moment because I need to get their, um, their approval for the Film Safari Mexico episode. Yeah. Uh, a guy called Rogelio... Uh, Agra Sanchez Jr. And he owns all of the rights to um, the Santo films from that sort of 1970 to 1972-73 period. And then he would have gone to a rival producer and then another producer. And so there's about, you know, 12, 15 different production companies. Every one of them you would have to deal with yeah. if you if you wanted to restore and release a Santo film because, you know, the, the rights are so tied up with those producers. Yeah, that's why we'll never... Because that's why a lot of people are saying, you know, we'll never You'll get... You'll never get a Santo... A definitive Santo box set of all 52 films. It's all scattered. And nudie variations. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Also on the set, there is a 2011 documentary called uh, Perdida, a uh, feature-length documentary by Viviana uh, Cas uh, Garcia Besne, granddaughter of Jorge Garcia Besne, exploring her family's massive contribution to Mexican cinema, including uh, the Santo films. Uh, so that's included as well. So that'll be interesting. Fantastic. Yeah. Very keen. You can check that out. Do you, do you know... Um, that have you heard that documentary, Andrew? Is that no, or... I've never heard of it before. So yeah. I'm, I'm I'm fizzing with excitement <laughs> just <laughs> hearing about it now for the first time. I'm like, oh my god, more documentary material on uh, Mexican genre cinema. Fantastic and feature length, not not a little ten minute segment, but a, a full one. So I'm yeah, I'm dying to check this out. Um, we've got archival interview with. Actor Joaquin uh, Cordero, uh, 2010. That is. Of course. And we have Santo versus Evil Brain restoration comparison, which is pretty interesting. Santo versus men and in, in uh, versus internal men. Um, sorry, infernal men. Uh, restoration comparison. Internal men. Oh. <laughs> Wrong film. There's a little man who lives 
lives inside me. Imagine <laughs> that. So that'll be interesting. Like, I guess seeing the restoration process, what they went through, that'll be, um, yeah, because I presume there'll be a lot of work required with these elements, I'm guessing. Oh, man. Well, you know, the, the versions that I've watched and the ones that I shared with you guys to mm. to, to watch, they're from Mexican TV. Yeah. So you can imagine, like, you know, how patchy they would be in comparison to a 4K restoration. So it's yeah. it's going to, it might actually make Infernal Men seem like you know a good movie <laughs> you know, maybe a, it may be that christmas miracle we've been waiting for <laughs> um so, who, who knows but then again you know can you uh, make a purse out of a sow's ass i don't know <laughs> try uh perdita image gallery steals collections from the uh sorry keldano sorry kel Duron family, thank you for that, um, which is going to be interesting, a, a bit of an archive there. Uh, new and improved optional English translated subtitles, uh, limited edition exclusive 80-page book is included. So Andrew, I know you're probably throthing for that. <laughs> oh, this is so good. <laughs> yep. And uh, we also have a, a poster as well. So you get a poster too. And uh, it's a world premiere on blu-ray and uh it's a limited edition for the u.s and uk not sure normally it normally is that sort yeah. of stuff normally is a yeah. recommendation get it from the straight straight from the horse's mouth get it straight from the guys so yeah. when's the um straight date on yes. the Santa box well it got it got Push back, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. It's saying December here, but I, I believe January they may have had to push it back to. So December or January it'll be coming out. So not. Okay. Yeah. So not not too far. Oh, it sounds like it's going to be a late Christmas present to myself. Yes. Huh. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, and that, that's that's it all in one sort of neat package. Um, and the artwork's really cool. It's always got got Santa with the gun. Um, you know, covered in. In a bit of blood, what, what do you think of the artwork? Uh, yeah, which, which he doesn't actually do in the film. He never holds a, a that. machine gun. <laughs> yeah. So so that's a little bit of bullshit from the producers yeah. <laughs> putting together the ad campaign for Santo versus the evil brain. Yeah. You know, the, the, the cash-in in 1961 on Santo's new fame, and they're like, oh, no, no, give him a machine gun. No, no one's going to notice. <laughs> Typical exploitation stuff. It's kind of got, like, this um, fady, um, static look to it. I don't like, know if it's just... Yeah, and that looks like an old, maybe like an old Warren Street poster or something. Yeah. Like... I think it might have been taken from an old lobby cart because it, it, it looked to me like it had that sort of grain yeah. to it. Like a cheap lobby card. It yeah. does. Have, yeah, it's got that grain to it. And I'm like, that's kind of cool. Yeah. So they, it looks, from what I can see of the artwork, they've done a really good uh, aesthetic job on the packaging. Hmm. Who is Santo? Absolutely. And uh, yeah, uh, Tony, William, what do you think of this package overall? Pretty. Uh. It's it's pretty damn cool to be honest. As as you guys were saying, very much like a 
card there as such. The gun still does my head in, though, because I'm just used to him being fists only. He has done other stuff, like he's got his science lab and he's got his rockets, etc. But the gun just is just like, okay. But the question mark there makes it all more sort of relevant in respect of who is Santor. Mm. So, Was yeah. it really a gun? Question mark. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, the package. Yeah, the cover. I, I, I like. I, I didn't even know that. that as, I thought there would be a gun in the in the movie, but until you said it, Andrew, there's no gun. What the hell is? What's the What's the point of the, having a gun on the cover? But well, like the late Dave Friedman used to say, "Sell the sizzle, not the steak." Yes. So <laughs> it's just pure ballyhoo. It's pure exploit. We've been exploited fifty something years. No, sixty years onwards i'm still being fingered by mexican producers <laughs> but uh but out of this package the one real the, the the extra i'm really looking forward to is the perdita doco that that will be fascinating about the um about um stuff, yeah. of mexican cinema that's going to be very interesting yeah amazing you know and um and just quickly there's um not to segue, but there was an article by The Guardian in the UK. Now, I don't know if this was meant to be leaked or something, but they actually did cover and they actually uh, covered the indicator were releasing more Mexican films. So I'll just quickly read a summary. But, uh, yeah, so, so get ready, Andrew. <laughs> so they said, um, they rescued it from a dusty storehouse seven years ago. The original negatives of hundreds of Mexican movies featuring the likes Silver Cl- oh. Silver mask, crime-fighting wrestler, El Santo, a bikini-clad back woman, and a Satan-worshipping panther woman would have been lost forever. So those are a hint of some of the films that Indicator have coming. So, oh, <laughs> Yes, Andrew, you know where that's going. <laughs> Andrew already knows. <laughs> oh, okay. And speaking of the uh, Mexican films... um. Indica had recently released La Llorona and The Phantom of the Monastery. And um, those two two films are now out of print on the Indica website. So I have seen La Llorona and I loved it. That was so beautiful. That was really, yeah, really, those were the first horror, um, Mm. like the first. Crying Woman. Yeah. It's it's incredible stuff. Amazing. Um, but, But Andrew, I presume you may have known some of those possible titles they were hinting at that are that are being rescued and restored so uh well you know some of them have already been uh released by other companies like um you know the bat batwoman has already come out i think on is it vci vci would be correct ah uh, right? yes yeah. Yeah. yeah but only um with the the newly english dubbed well, audio that, track that's what happened with the, these uh, and that that four pack that they brought out which only had the the english dubs and i thought what is the point yeah and, uh, and that, i mean really uh, yeah. un- unless you had the dubbing done in the 60s and it was you know a, a genuine um, artifact um i could see the point but to go back and redub them in 2021 yeah. Uh, no, because they're going to make an absolutely botched job of it. Everything's going to be a wink, wink, you know, self-conscious smirk at the audience. And I don't want that. I don't want some jerk making fun of Mexican genre films when I'm watching it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, no. I don't need these jackasses 
making a laughing stock of what I actually think is, you know, important stuff. So if they're able to do Mexican Batwoman, if they can do Panther Panther Woman, Las Mujeres Pantera, or whatever it's called, oh man, it's going to be fantastic. Yeah. I, I know that VCI did do a subtitle version of um, a film called The Skeleton of Mrs. Morales. Now, if you were able to get your hands on that, I just watched it during the week for the first time. Holy shit, that was my Mexican film for Halloween. And it's a really gothic black comedy about a guy who kills his wife and then tries to um, be exonerated by the judge by stripping her skeleton down and displaying it in the front window of his shop. <laughs> wow. And it's nuts. Turns out that um, the, the writer on the film, and I wondered why it was so intelligent as well as macabre, it was because it was the same screenwriter as Boonwell's film from Mexico, Exterminating Angel. Wow. So there's a real, you know, satire on, um, on the Catholic church and middle-class morality going on within this blackly comic, um, horror tale. So skeleton of Mrs. Morales, if you can still get that on VCI, I recommend that immensely. Well, thanks for the recommendation. That's one I'll I'll be tracking down. Absolutely. I, I was going to say, William, just quickly, you um that that VCI box you got was it? It was all English dubs. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a yeah, bit yeah. disappointing in that respect. There's a full disc there with it. I also do have the Batwoman and the Panther VCI release as well. As Andrew said, the dubbing's a bit of a uh, yeah honky tonk. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. It would have been lovely just to have the the genuine voices as Andrew suggested, the original dubbing, even if they just yeah. just subtitle it for God's sake. So it's like, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, we we did a couple of screenings last year for Trash Video Archives, oh, um, and I know Max, the William came along to, um, you came along, I think, to the uh, Batwoman yes, screening. Yeah, yeah, I did. It yeah, was yeah. fantastic. Um, and it, though those two titles, um, Night of the Bloody Apes and um, Batwoman, were part of a, a library of Mexican genre films that uh, Michael Helms from Fatal Visions had purchased from Mexico. And um, we thought this is going to be unreal. You know, we, we have this library, there's 18 titles. Um, package of, of Mexican titles that we can bring out on Blu-ray, uh, stream, uh, do theatrical releases, and they were all dubbed, oh. every one of them. And I said, well, you know, maybe we could restore the Spanish soundtrack and put you know subtitles on it and, and replace it. And he said, no, the contract was for that one English dub only. Oh. It wasn't allowed to put a Spanish dub. So obviously the rights to the Spanish language versions of those films had already been um, purchased by Indicator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's so major bummer for Fatal Visions, but at least we got to screen beautiful-looking DCPs um, of, of these you know, crazy 60s Mexican films. Them and just cinema. despite the dubbing, they were fucking beautiful. In the cinema, it's a really classic experience too. That was the beauty of it. It was 
so such a blessing to be able to go along and see these. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And the only bummer being yeah. not in the original Spanish. You know, instead you've got these jerks trying to do a, you know, mystery science theater three thousand job on it. Yeah, winking and at it. And it's like you're not you're not funny, and you're not clever. You're just fucking annoying. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing worse. Fuck off. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> Cool. Well, um, cool. Well, uh, I guess we'll uh, we can move on to the next film. Uh, is there any anything else, Andrew? You want to say any final? I know you know that you could go on for hours about Sando, but or days even. Uh, but oh, is, couldn't I? <laughs> any final thoughts? You know me too well. Oh, shit. <laughs> but no, um, I've got to say it's been an absolute pleasure being able to um, rant and rave about Sando films with you and hearing your comments about the film so um yeah thanks for the opportunity of coming on and uh letting me foam away at the mouth no no all right well that was andrew levolt everyone and i'll link in the description below where you can find andrew's stuff he's a wealth of knowledge so thank you andrew for that uh so moving on we'll move on to the next title for the month uh tony i'll I'll pass this one to you remember the night um limited edition if you want to tell us about that one Will do absolutely. Um, remember the uh, remember the night. It was directed by Mitchell Leeson and was released in 1940, with its sparkling screenplay by Preston Sturges from the Great Beginty and the Palm Beach Story. This much loved romantic comedy paired screen legends Barbara Stanwyck from The Lady Eve and Forty Guns and Fred McMurray, Double Indemnity and the Absent-Minded Professor, for the very first time. Stanwyck plays Lee Leander, a shoplifter who faces a lonely Christmas in prison, while McMurray is the straight-laced New York district attorney who takes pity on her and organises her release on bail. After he offers to drive her to visit her family, a trouble-filled road trip ensues and an unlikely romance blossoms. Directed by Mitchell Leeson, who directed Easy Living, Hold Back the Dawn, and features acting support from Beulah Bondi, or Beulah Bondi, sorry, from It's a Wonderful Life, and Elizabeth Patterson from The Cat and the Canary. Remember the Night is an all-time classic comedy from Hollywood's golden age. This individually numbered limited edition includes a fascinating selection of new and archival extra features, a poster, and an 80-page booklet. The... Indicator limited edition Blu-ray special features include a high-definition remaster, original mono audio, audio commentary with film historian Adrian Martin from 2022, Jeff Andrew on Remember the Night from 2022, the author and programmer revisits the film, exploring the contributions of star Fred McMurray, writer Preston Sturgis, and director Mitchell, Mitchell Leeson. Pamela Hutchinson on Barbara Stanwyck from 2022. The critic assesses the life and career of the iconic silver screen star and her role in Remember the Night. Lux Radio Theatre, Remember the Night, 1940 radio adaptation, which sees McMurray and Stanwyck reprise their roles from the film. Lux Radio Theatre, Remember the Night, from 1942. Second radio adaptation, this time pairing McMurray with Gene Arthur. Hollywood Victory Campaign from 1945, 
a short promotional film starring Barbara Stanwyck and many other Hollywood names, including Humphrey Bogart, Bing Crosby, Bob Hope, Betty Hutton, and Alan Ladd. Original theatrical trailer, image gallery promotional and publicity material, new and improved English subtitles for the deaf and hard of hearing, limited edition exclusive 80-page book with a new essay by Rick Buren, archival interviews with cast and crew, articles on the careers of Mitchell Leeson and screenwriter Preston Sturges, an overview of contemporary critical responses, writing on Hollywood Victory Canteen, and full film credits. A limited edition exclusive poster, UK premiere on Blu-ray, limited edition of 3,000 copies and all sub all extra subject to change, spine number 294, Region B. Now, I love my classic Hollywood, but I have not seen this one. And, of course, Barbara Stanwyck is well known for film noirs, of course, Double Indemnity and um, many others. Um, but, yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing this. I've never seen it, and I can't wait. And of course, with the amount of extras in it, mm. course, as you know, I love... Um, the radio adaptations of all these extras, they're fantastic. Um, so, um, yeah, Ryan, what do you think of um, Rem of the Night? Yeah, no, like, I haven't heard of it, but, like, I do I do enjoy most, um, like, classic Hollywood rom- rom-coms. Mm-hmm. There, there are some, like, real good ones, but the writing is amazing, and Preston Sturgis is a great, like, filmmaker. Oh, yeah. So, um... I'm expecting a great script from him. But, um, yeah, no, I haven't seen it, but I'm interested to check it out, mate. What about you, William? Yeah, well, that, that type of line of movies has never been one of my favourite stuff, but anything sort of classically done is always good to enjoy. The, the cast obviously got Barbara Stonebeck, you've got Fred McMahon. The sad thing with him, I always think of my three sons, and that reflects on my childhood from when it was like he was... Mm, yes. <laughs> but I love the way they mentioned the two films that he's in. It's like Double Identity and, of course, The Absent-Minded Professor. <laughs> it's like, what the hell, man? Yeah, chalk and cheese. <laughs> so, yeah. Now, with Indicator, they always bring on something that's always interesting and something that's going to be worth your investment in time. So... I'm, I'm really going to probably enjoy this when I get around to watching it. I just love the way they give the love to this type of stuff, you know. And the the great thing with the, the genres they mix across the thing, it's like we've gone from Santo, from Mexican, to this. It's like a 1940s classic rom-com. It's like, hey. All three films are different. Indeed. Mm. Uh, John, have you seen it? No, I haven't. No, and I'm yeah, I'm with you guys. Like I, I love the old classic Hollywood, you know, rom coms or um, you know, of the era. And yeah, you know, it, it's it's a film that I'm I'm very keen to check out because not only the cast alone, you know, Barbara Stanwyck, you know, Double Indemnity, and uh, uh, the Lady Eve, and a bunch of really great films from that mm. time. Period. But yeah, this is one I'm yeah don't check out. I guess yeah, the thing that intrigues me is that obviously the the screenplay, the screenplay by a uh, Christa Sturges, who, um, who you know, wrote some of the greatest films and directed, like, Sullivan's Travels, one of my oh, favorites yeah. of all time. Uh, so to see where he kind of, I guess, like, started out, you know, writing screenplays, um, it's one that, yeah, I'm really keen to see. So, yeah, I just love a good classic Hollywood film. And 
and yeah, like I said, a whole bunch of really cool extras on here to give a bit of context and even extras just on the actors and actresses themselves. So mm. yeah, yeah, I'm really looking forward to digging into this box set. And and yeah, I have to say the um, really cool classic artwork on there too. So really nice. Mm. There are two different um, radio radio spots as well. well. Not radio spots, but yes, legends too. That should be interesting. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. Very excited for this one, definitely. Cool. Um, yes, yeah, so we'll, I guess, we'll move on to the last title, Kendall, The Big Gun Down. Uh, and, and now we move on to Spaghetti Westerns. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Spaghetti Westerns, fantastic. Uh, we've got the, uh, where we got? My, my phone. All right, we've got The Big Gun Down, directed by Sergio Solima from 1966. It's a limited edition Blu ray UK premiere. Uh, released the same year as Sergio Leone's uh, The Good, The Bad and The Ugly and Sergio Corbucci's Django, The Big Gun Down, or the Italian name, uh, La Resa di Conti, is a classic spaghetti western directed by the great Sergio Slima, Face to Face and Violent City. This brutal film elevated western regular Lee Van Keith from Ride Lonesome to his first ever starring role. When bounty hunter Jonathan Corbett, played by Van Keefe, is hired to track down a Mexican peasant, Thomas Milan, in a career-defining role, who has been accused of appalling, who has been accused of an appalling crime, he is initially outwitted by the Willy Bandit. However, the relationship between the two men soon takes an unexpected turn, and they team up to take on railroad Baron Brockton, played by Walter Barnes. With its rousing score by legendary composer Ennio Morricone uh, and its politically charged screenplay by Sergio Donati, who did uh, Once Upon a Time in the West, and Franco Sonalis, Solinas, uh, The Battle of Algiers, The Big Gun Down has earned its reputation as one of the greatest and most influential Italian westerns. Uh, this individually numbered limited edition includes three versions of the film, the U.S. theatrical cut, the extended U.S. cut, and the original 110-minute Italian version, along with a fascinating selection of new and archival fe extra features, a poster, and an 80-page book. So we got features, uh, limited edition two Blu-ray special features, 2K restorations, three feature presentations the la Vresa di conti 110 minutes the original italian theatrical version presented with both italian and english soundtracks the original u.s theatrical version 90 minutes and the extended u.s cut 95 minutes with scenes added for television television broadcast original mono audio audio commentary with writers and film experts barry forshaw and kim newman on the italian theatrical version 2022 you stuck your thumb up there william very good you're excited for that <laughs> audio co <laughs> audio commentary with film film historians c courtney joiner and henry park on the extended us cut from 2013 spaghetti western memories documentary in which director sergio salima and Actor Thomas Milan revisit this much heralded Western. Thomas Milan, acting on Instinct from 2013, the genre film star revisits The Big Gun Down and reveals some of his acting secrets. Stephen Thrower on The Big Gun Down from 2022, the author and musician on the unique qualities of Salima's classic. Uh, Austin Fisher on The Big Gun Down 2022, 
the author of Radical Frontiers in the Spaghetti Western, Politics, Violence and Popular Italian Cinema, situates the film in the wider context of the genre. Isolated music and effects tracks, US, original US theatrical trailers, original Italian theatrical trailer, TV spots, image galleries, production stills and promotional material. Uh, new and improved English subbies for the deaf and hard of hearing. Limited edition exclusive 80-page book with a new essay by Italian cinema expert Roberto Corti. Uh, archival interviews with Lee Van Keith, Cleef, Thomas Milan and Sergio Salima. Uh, extracts from the film's promotional materials and examination of the work of co-screenwriter Franco Solinas, an overview of contemporary critical responses and full film credits, limited edition exclusive poster, UK premiere on any video home video format, limited edition 5,000 copies, uh, number 272, Region B, Cert 15. Um, I do have the Grindhouse one, which is pretty much has the um, those cuts in that. But um, I guess this is just, I guess this was done just for the UK market, I'd say. Because the US market has their grindhouse. I don't know if you can still get it. You probably still can. Probably still floating around. I don't know if this was a limited edition. I'm not too sure. I've got that one too, yeah. But um, this one does come with the CD soundtrack. So maybe I'll just keep the soundtrack and sell the rest. <laughs> <laughs> just keep both. That's right. Stick the soundtrack in my car. <laughs> Play it on the way to work. Ah, seen this film. I love this film. It's a lovely film. It's a great Western. Um, Thomas Milan is quite uh he's fun in this. He he just mucks around and tries to like piss off Lee Van Cleef as much as he can <laughs> while escaping him. I like that cheeky um What's what's the, the fucking cheeky criminal? Cheeky criminal. The cheeky criminal. Cheeky criminal. Yeah. There's lots of cheeky criminals. I'm trying to talk <laughs> about, sir. Thomas. Good old Thomas. I love him. Good old Thomas. Very. Ah, uh, uh, Will. I was going to say, you, you, you could have, I was thinking along the lines of um, they call me Trinity or something like that in respect <laughs> to cheeky criminal. Um, they call me Tootsie. <laughs> the, the, the hippopotamus. But anyway, um... I have not seen this, believe it or not. Uh, it's one I'm pretty excited to get because I don't have that beautiful edition that you've got there, but this edition will be in my collection. So I'm excited to see it for the first time. Sorry. Uh, well, um, Lee Van Cleef is just brilliant in pretty much everything he does. Like Twilight Zone, obviously, through to Angel Eyes, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, he's such a great actor. So I'm really, really keen to see this. It's one, it's one that I have not seen, to be perfectly frank. Uh, as I was discussing before, the other films that the director's done, Violent City, which has just had a, is it 88 brought that out? It's the Telly Savalas mm. and Charles Bronson film. Yep. That's the, the Family. And that was actually a really good film as well. So I'm really keen to see this. And all the extras in there, oh, my God, Kim Newman, you've got Stephen Thrower in there. This is just a banquet again. It's like this, 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 the three releases they're bringing, they're so diverse from each other. But they've all this diamond, so I'm just excited. Yeah. Back to you. <laughs> uh, Tony. Um, I'm with William. I have not seen the big gun down. And unfortunately, I don't own the um that Grindhouse releasing edition, but the soundtrack no doubt would have been amazing. But 
Yeah, um, especially um, from what I, from what I just read, that the screenplay was co-written by Sergio Donati, who has who mm. who has written co-written at least one of my probably my all-time favorite western, Once Upon a Time in the West. And I'm sure this one will be up there as well. Um, I'm sure this is a great film. I know you and I know Ryan and John, you both seen this, and um, but yeah, this one has three cuts, and the extras are pretty good as well. So I'm really looking forward to this release. I'm definitely going to get this for sure. Hundred percent, Jonathan. Yes, uh, yeah. No, I, I saw this a uh, couple of years ago when I got that Grindhouse releasing uh, edition. So. Uh, which was a good good addition at the time, but the indicator one, yeah, just has a lot more new extras and interviews. So yeah, definitely is going to top it. Um, but yeah, I, I I really enjoy this film. I need to revisit it because it's been a good seven years or so when I got that set. So uh, but yeah, I remember really enjoying it and leaving being incredible in the role. Uh, it's probably one of the, the the really fun spaghetti westerns during that golden age, especially in the '60s. So. Uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm looking forward to revisiting it, and um, and yeah, I'll, I'll be digging into the extras, especially the the newly created content for it, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm excited for this one. So yeah, I'll I'll be look forward to a fresh revisit of the film after many years since I saw it last. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cool, and and it's got yeah, it's got a oh. nice piece of poster art on the box. Looks really cool. I like the hard boxes. Yeah, no, true. Yeah, three hard boxes this month. Look at that. Yeah, going all out. Oh, yeah. Cool. I'm gonna get up there the bloody um email thing. Yes, yeah. If you want to go, we can. I I guess that's it for the films themselves. Uh, but Kendall and Tony, do you want to have a look at the newsletter? If you guys want to have a go, uh, I guess. Um. I can do the release changes update if you like. And um, Ryan, did you want to do the lower stock update? Yeah, let me find that email. <laughs> and I think a bit news. I think that there's been some pushback. So the I think this slate has been pushed back to January, if I'm not mistaken. Um, uh, I'll just have because I got the recent update. Then I got the recent email that um indicator sent. Um, I, I think so. Uh, here we go. Um, it looks like um. I'll, I'll just read this from the September 2022 update. Yes, yeah, that'll be good. Yeah. A slightly different newsletter this month after our recent schedule changes and the early announcement of our upcoming December titles in last month's newsletter. As a reminder, the changes were as follows. Madigan, Robin Hood at Hammer, and The Swimmer, all UK titles only, were released earlier this month and are now available from our website. Orders to Kill from the US, which is US only, was mm. released last week. Universal Noir One from the, which is only about, which will only be available in the UK only, will be released in October. Mm-hmm. Magic, Myth, and Mutilation: The Micro Budgets of Cinema of Michael J. Murphy from 1967 to 2015, which will be available in the UK and US, will be available from November. And we round off the year with Enter Santo, UK and US, The Big Gun Down, UK only, and Remember the Night, UK only in December. Pre-order the purchase links to pre-order, yeah, that's fine. We also wanted to do two trail... We also wanted to trail two bits of big news. 
first, our annual October sale will be coming soon, but which ha- but at the time of this recording, it has passed. Yes, that was and the promise, that- and it promises to be the biggest and best yet, which it was. Believe me, it was huge. <laughs> Posting more info, and secondly, in a few weeks' time, there will be a, we will be announcing our January 2023 titles, and just as the and just at as the start of 2022 saw the launch of our indicator line in the US and Canada, so too will the new year see an exciting development for us. The appearance of the first indicator 4K UHD titles for the UK and US. We won't say any more at the moment, so stay tuned for more details in our October announcement. Our US and Canada titles are available to purchase from Diabolic and Critics' Choice. Irreversible is now officially out of print. Our limited edition of Irreversible is now out of print. A standard edition will follow in 2023. And the 5 for 40 pounds, four standard editions have been added to our 5 for 40 pounds offer. Gardens of Stone, The Border, A Dandian Aspic, and Berserk. For the full list of titles, please visit the 5 for 40 pounds section of our website. Lovely. Thank you. Now, I want to read the uh, stock open. So I got the newsletter came out. No, not this little email came out on the 19th of October. Yep. Uh, just saying a thank you. Uh, the record number of orders exceeded all expectations. We also saw a remarkable 23 limited editions go out of print, including the Columbia Noir 3 box set, which will receive standard editions next year. Uh, continue work. They'll ship out orders. Uh, chill out. They're coming. Uh, right, so what have we got? Low stock update. So very low stock update is very low stock. The criminal code, things change. Oatly, Bellman and True, the effect of gamma rays on the man on in the moon, Marigolds. That should have been sold out by now. It's amazing. Bellman and True as well. That is a really classic film. Highly yeah, recommended. It is. It's bought it <laughs> before the sale, but it's a film that's so underrated. Such a great crime story for what it mm. is there. It's brilliant. Um, low stock. We got The System. They Made Me a Fugitive. Crime Wave. A Severed Head. Hussey. Jagged Edge. William Castle at Columbia, Volume 2, Immaculate Conception, The Fortune, The Virgin Soldiers, Britannia Hospital, Secret Friends, Invincible, Eve, Orphans, Scum, No Orchids for Miss Blandish, and RPM. Scum is still there. Yeah, it's like, what the hell, man? What are you guys doing? Just buy it. It's brilliant. Uh, that no, right. the William Castle. It's just like, how the hell is that not both sold out? No Orchids for Miss Blandish. Fantastic. Yes. That's a good one too. Yes, RPM yes. was a good uh, Anthony Quinn film. Virgin Soldiers, hilarious. Danny Hospital. Yeah. Yeah. Head. But even Eve was an interesting film. Eve was, yeah. For a sort of British international co-production. Yeah. Yeah. That's... Like an almost like an unfinished film as well too. Yeah. Absolutely. We just slice bits together. Well, they found bits, whatever. Um, fantastic. Yeah. And that's, I think that's it um, from those. Yeah. And there was, uh, there was a tease as well. Um, ah. it, was, it was like a sort of bat vampire thing. Um, and someone figured out that that oh, was. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was a Jean Rollin. Uh, yes. Yeah, pet poster for, I think, um, 
I think one of the yeah, I think it was Shiver of the Vampire or something like that. Like it was a oh, oh sorry, the the nude vampire. Yeah, it was the nude vampire. So it indicates, um, you know, pun intended, that they will be doing possibly a gene roll in box. Maybe who knows? I know. Amazing. It's such a that's the, the beauty of this group. It's just like. Anything is open. Anything is there. It's like, you know, we've got Santa. We've got bloody classics. You've got anything. You've got, yeah, that's just boom. That's amazing. So, yeah, there's really no no limit on what they, they release, which is great in terms of they always keep sort of consistent quality with the film. So it doesn't matter what genre. So, yeah, um, yes, that, that's pretty exciting. We'll see. Cool. Yeah. That'd be fun. Gene, I, I haven't seen any Gene Roland films because <laughs> there was a time when I was like, when I was like buying a shitload off Zavi, and I always saw like the Gene Roland like Redemption, Redemption films stuff. for like yeah, fifteen yes. bucks and stuff. So yeah. I was like, ooh, oh, but um, everyone he's, said like he's kind of like a Jess Franco, and I'm like, I've seen Jess. Acquired taste. But yeah. What he does is beautiful. It's it's slow. It's lavish. It's just, it's, yeah, no, I like it. I like it. I like it. He's, he's got a different style to oh, Jesse. Yeah. More stylish, uh, Jean Roland. The more, yeah. yeah. I, I like his films. Redemption's one, one of my favorite. Oh, not Redemption. Uh, what was the Fascination, sorry. Is Fascination. One of my favorite. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Favorite vampire films. Someone? Yeah, someone put it out in the US. Okay. Maybe Redemption. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, just, I could be wrong. Yeah, kept on saying a lot of redemption titles. And <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah. Wonderful. Um, is that it? That's it. I, I guess that's it. Yeah, I've, I've got some editing to do. Uh, yeah. I've got some <laughs> bedtime to do. <laughs> no, no, that's fine, John. It's, it's just Crash. let it let, no, it, let right. it loose on the the public. Yeah. Let them yes, absorb yes, it and enjoy it. Favorite. <laughs> Thanks no, for that, having me on, gents. As always, an absolute pleasure. Oh, no, thank you, thank you, and and a massive thank you to Andrew. Obviously, well, you know, mm. yeah. it's amazing. Yeah, Andrew definitely um, gave us a lot of info on those titles for sure. Yeah, he's certainly the maestro of what he does. <laughs> it's mm. like, my God, definitely. Always a pleasure catching up with him. He's just got so much stuff. Mm. Absolutely. No, well. Thank you guys as always. It's a long episode, but it was a really fun one, so I'll get through. Yeah. Edit.